Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get favorite podcasts. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. I believe we're on 36 different plot podcast platforms now, so just search us. You'll get us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just have it downloaded. 41 degrees and cloudy here at 409 on this Thursday, February 1st, 2024, the Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Well, I was reading the blogs, reading the stories like I do as always, and checking in with hotair.com, and I saw a story this morning on how Fannie Willis won't recuse herself, and it's always a pleasure to bring on my good friend, managing editor of Hot Air, Ed Morrissey. Ed, thanks for joining us. Good to see you, my friend. Good to talk with you, Rob. Thanks for having me on. No, always, always. Uh, so tell us about the story from this morning. I mean, we, it kind of started off as this... Uh, this relationship she had, and now it turns into this more of a whistleblower and firing people and covering up the miss or not covering up or maybe not not addressing the misuse of grant funny funds. And you know, now she's refusing to recuse herself, saying, "You know, not my problems." Yeah, I mean, there's there's just a whole th- a whole cascade of things going on here. Some of which is related, some of which is not. The whistleblower uh, issue just erupted this week. And it's not really related to the RICO case at all. This is a completely different issue in Fannie Willis's um, office as Fulton County uh, District Attorney. She was warned by one of her subordinates that another of her subordinates was going to violate the terms of of a grant by spending the money on swag and other things. And rather than deal with the um, inappropriate use of the funds, Fannie Willis ended up firing the whistleblower and claiming that her performance was substandard. So she's suing. The whistleblower is suing. And so that's going to be an issue that's going to be sort of front and center for Fulton County uh, down the road. Probably not right away, but it's it's percolating now. And then you have this whole thing with the RICO case where she hired an attorney to prosecute the, uh, the RICO case against uh, former President Donald Trump et al., and it turns out that she was in a personal relationship with this person. She spent over $650,000 on his legal fees, some of which was used to pay for uh, personal trips that she took, she herself took. And um, Ashley Merchant, who is the attorney for one of the defendants, uh, a gentleman named Michael Roman, filed the disqualification motion. So for, just in case anybody in the audience isn't, um, isn't up to date on this, that disqualification motion is going to be heard in a hearing on February 15th, and they have already produced bank records and other receipts showing that Nathan Wade, her, apparently her boyfriend, uh, spent thousands of dollars on luxury cruise and airline tickets for Fannie Willis, uh, Fannie Willis along with himself. Uh, and this was shortly after he got a divorce. This started shortly after he filed for a divorce. The divorce isn't final yet. It's been going on for over two years. They settled the divorce case, or at least they reached a temporary settlement in the divorce case this week, right before both he and Willis were going to have to testify in the divorce trial. Like at the last minute, they came up with a settlement to avoid that testimony. But they're both subpoenaed to testify in this February 15th hearing. So it's really just putting off the inevitable. And the timing there, if I understand this correctly, is he filed for divorce right after getting this contract with Fannie Willis for this case. Like the day after. Yeah. It's either the day before or the day after. 
Uh, the timing is very unusual. And what was also unusual is that Nathan Wade was didn't apparently share the uh, information that he had been hired to do this job and that he was making this money. And she found out apparently some some other way and had been forcing him to try to uh, – trying to take him to court to force him to reveal this in discovery, how much money he was being paid, because they were still married. And it was still, uh, you know, community property to some extent. And he ended up um, being slapped with a contempt charge because he didn't uh, cooperate with discovery. He only started cooperating with discovery on this point in, I think, December of last year, which is when the receipts came out that had his and Fannie Willis's name on things like, you know, the cruise and the airline tickets. <laughs> um, and so shortly after that, they went from Mrs. Wade to Michael Roman's defense, and that's where uh, that's when the uh, disqualification motion got filed. Now, with the hiring of this attorney, her her someone she's allegedly having this relationship with, uh, Nathan Wade, uh, his specialty is not in what he was hired to do. He he's a personal injury lawyer. He's he's doesn't he's never had a case like this before, and it's probably. I mean, it's it's got to be one of the largest cases in the DA's history in Georgia. It, it is, and it's a it's a complicated case because RICO cases are always somewhat complicated, right? Uh, this is a even more complicated RICO case because there's no organization, there's no payoff benefit. Most RICO cases revolve around some sort of financial benefit, and there isn't any in this particular case, and so that's already novel in and of itself. But he's never handled a RICO case. He's never actually prosecuted a felony that anybody's ever been able to dig up. He did some municipal um, prosecutions, which, you know, for, for minor misdemeanors. But for the most part, he's been either a municipal judge or he's been a um, personal injury attorney. Apparently a pretty good one and, and well-regarded, but he's never done anything like this before. And there are attorneys in Georgia that handle RICO cases. In fact, uh, Fannie Willis had to hire a couple of them as consultants after hiring Nathan Wade to uh, run the prosecution. And the question is, is, why would you hire somebody who has absolutely no experience in this for the largest, you know, one of the largest, most high-profile uh, prosecutions, that not just in Georgia, but in the entire country uh, over the last couple of years? And nobody has been able to come up with an answer for that, except apparently that Nathan Wade was her boyfriend, and uh, the, the money that she's paying him in legal fees is something that she's gotten some direct benefit from. That's, and that's the question that's going to come up in the Georgia court when Judge Scott McAfee holds this hearing on February 15th. Yeah, and it, this was one of uh, the co-defendants that originally brought this to air in in the Trump case, the, this case. Has the Trump attorneys and the other co-defendants in this case, I know a lot of them have already pled or taken agreements or whatever, have, have they gotten involved with this as well to make it an issue with their personal cases? Uh, well, I think they've, they've all taken an interest in this, right? I mean, I think uh, Trump himself, his legal team filed um, like a amicus brief or, or filed to join the motion for disqualification. They want. They also want to see the entire indictment dismissed. Uh, I don't know that, that that a judge is going to do that necessarily, or at least if they do, it's not, it's not going to be dis, uh, to dismiss it with prejudice. With prejudice means it can't be refiled. Without prejudice means it can be refiled. But the problem here is this, is that Willis is really going out on a limb in trying to argue a bunch of different things in terms of um, creating a, a, you know, to, to demonstrate a racket, right, an organized attempt to violate the law. 
for some particular benefit. And she's using a lot of things like uh, just regular political arguments as, you know, in these uh, in this indictment showing all the – I think there's 122 instances of, you know, dem demonstrable uh, RICO-related um, actions, most of which are like people speaking to news people. Um, I mean, it's unusual. I don't think there's a prosecutor in Georgia who would willingly pick this back up, and I think that's what the, the real issue here is, is that if she is forced to recuse um, or if she just recuses on her own um, – I don't think there's another jurisdiction in Georgia that will pick up the RICO case. They might pick up some of the, you know, discrete, specific um, crimes in the indictment, um, and there are a few of those. But I don't think the RICO case is going to is going to last once she recuses. Yeah, and, and to get back to this, this what just broke this week is this whistleblower from her office that came forward with the the misuse of grant money. This just wasn't an employee in her office. This was I, I from what the interview I heard from the recording of this woman and Fannie Willis because there is a recording on on it. She's the one who wrote the grant who brought this concerns to Fannie Willis. Yes, that's right. You're right about that, Rob. Yes, she was, and and so yeah, she was very concerned about how this was going to reflect on Fannie Willis. And if you listen to the – I mean, she's almost in tears trying to explain this to Fannie Willis in this conversation. And the reward for bringing this up and trying to protect Fannie Willis is that she got fired and labeled as some sort of a malcontent. And, and that's the reason why she's filing her lawsuit. I think even more troubling, though, than that was an earlier incident with Fannie Willis where she was going after another uh, political opponent um, – and I can't remember the name of the gentleman that she went after, but it was basically somebody that she had fundraised against during her campaign to get elected as DA. And the judge ended up throwing, um, throwing her off of that case. I think they, the judge threw that case out entirely um, because he said this is sort of a gross conflict of interest. If you were going to pursue this, you never should have, you never should have campaigned against this other uh, official. And so it's not the first time uh, that she has had to um, be brought up on conflict of interest charges that had to do with politics. Yeah, and the fact that this is going on while this this relationship and the, the, the case against the Trump, Trump and his co-defendants goes on, this just opens the door for any defense attorney that, that goes before her court, if she's still involved, to, to talk about the dysfunction in her office, the corruption in her office, the cover-ups in her office, how she managed, mismanaged her office. It, it opens all that up to, to any jury to sit there and say, how can you take any word from this office at, on face value when all these things are going on, where all this reasonable doubt is there? Well, I think that, yeah, that's certainly one issue, but I think the bigger issue here is why was she paying Nathan Wade so much money? Apparently the billing is out of control on this case. Um, I think it's Michael Roman's attorneys are alleging as part of the disqualification that he actually billed for 24 hours you know, in a, in a, you know, in a single block, like he was working on the case for 24 straight hours on a particular day. He billed all 24 hours. And they're flagging that, saying that that can't possibly be yeah. true. Um, and so what they're saying is basically, and I think what they're implying, I don't know if they're, I don't know if their motion directly says this, but what they're implying is that Willis crafted this very novel RICO case so that she could um, hire Nathan Wade on and basically um, redirect public funds for her own personal benefit and for the personal benefit of her boyfriend. And uh, that is one of the things that Scott McAfee is going to have to consider 
when he holds this hearing on February 15th. Now, she's supposed to submit a formal response to this disqualification motion by tomorrow. I don't know if she's already filed it. I don't think it's already been filed. But tomorrow is a, a good day to take a look and see if she's actually going to recuse herself or if she's going to stay with the case because she has to submit that, and it's, you know, uh, implicitly under oath when she does. So if she misrepresents anything, she's not just running a, uh, into potential issues about her ability to practice law in the state of Georgia, but potentially crossing the line into either civil or criminal perjury, too. So it's worth watching. Yeah, and there's also, probably, like you just brought up, the ethics complaints and, and maybe even corruption complaints here with as far as you know what actually happened here. And if people want to follow you or follow Hot Air, how, how can they do that? Well, the easiest way is just to go to hotair.com. Thank you, Rob, for asking. I'm on Twitter, um, at Ed Morrissey. I refuse to call it X. It's always Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at Ed Morrissey. Two R's, two S's. But hotair.com is the best place to go. Just go right to the website. Sounds great. Are you going to be at CPAC this year, my friend? I don't. I will not be at CPAC this year. Um, I think we're going to have the um, local town hall contingent there, though. All right. And uh, look forward to seeing everything that's going to happen there. Sounds great. I'll talk to you soon. Again, my friend, hopefully when uh, this information comes out Friday, I'll reach out to you early next week. Sounds great, sir. Thank you. Take care, Ed. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, 422 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And this one just in a rollover on 81 southbound right before the 81 junction in the drums area. Rollover 81 southbound in the drums area right around the 81 junction or the 80 junction. Uh, There is a backup forming now. We have construction causing a backup on 80 westbound between Nescapec, Cunningham, and the Mifflin exit as well. And you're going to run into a little bit of heavy traffic this afternoon as you head into the Scranton area. Jefferson Avenue is bumper to bumper, and Lycawanna Avenue has tons of traffic. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone from the WILK Traffic Center with this WILK. Okay, in Penteladata Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. At least I can get everybody straight now. We got Paul Michaels back. We got you back doing traffic. We had all sorts of people doing different things. I mean, I was going to have Jake come in here and start talking. I was going to go in there and start pushing buttons. I was going to have Jake do traffic today, right. but he wouldn't. He refused. I don't understand. <laughs> Stay off the roads. That's Would what have made Jake a couple says, pennies, right? I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Jeremy Luan. Tonight, flurries and light rain, low 34. Friday, morning light rain, flurries through the afternoon, breezy, high 40. Friday night, mostly cloudy, low 25. Saturday, decreasing clouds through the morning, then mostly sunny skies by noon, 41. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 43. And from what I'm seeing, I think all the way until Thursday, we're looking at temperatures during the day, obviously, in the 40s and the sun out. So looking better for that. It's currently 424 here at WILK, 41 degrees. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 41 degrees and cloudy at 427 here on this Thursday, January, February 1st, February 1st, 2024. Well, it looks like the online fundraising efforts, and it's not just online, it's community fundraising. I'm just not going to call this online. Community fundraising for the wounded Scranton detective Kyle Gilmartin passed the $200,000 goal Wednesday, uh, the latest milestone in the outpouring of donations. Gilmartin, as we know, was shot twice in the head while on duty January 11th. 
is now recovering in a Philadelphia rehabilitation center. The GoFundMe campaign, which remains open, originally aimed for 25000 but that came in so fast the goal was quickly changed to 200000 said Scranton Police Detective Paul Tomsky, who organized the effort through the police union, Fraternal Order of Police, German Lodge 2. They're overwhelmed, they said. There are 2,532 donors listed. The largest donation was $2,500. There's at least 14 donations of $1,000 or more. Most are much smaller with a few in the single digits, which every dollar helps. And there's more going on. Regional company Garrity Supermarket has surpassed its goal. It's still collecting donations from customers through Sunday between grocery customers' donations and the $5,000 match from the company. $11,000 so far will go to Gilmartin said co-owner Joe Fals, uh, Fasula. In addition, donations from customers at the company's Ace Hardware store haven't even been tallied yet. We are very appreciative to what law enforcement does for us every single day, they said. We feel we are living in a community here in northeast Pennsylvania where it is much safer than a lot of other places, and that's due in large part to the contribution of law enforcement. Other efforts for Gil Martin listed on the union's Facebook page include uh, through Friday, February 2nd, Krispy Kreme locations in Scranton and Clark Summit are donating all proceeds from a $5 pack of three donuts, only cash accepted. Uh, clean Candles will donate $5 from each 16-ounce candle sold by the end of February. Candles are $25 each and available in several, in several cents, according to the company's Facebook page. And the... Uh, there was an immediate wave of fundraising after the Gilmartin shooting in recent event. Crabs for Kyle at Cooper's, which I took part in, raised $19,465. Now, I, I've received a couple of messages over the past two weeks uh, on this saying, well, you know, surely his medical bills are covered. Surely, you know, there, there's insurance that's involved here. Um, you're really not taking into effect what, what the total costs of something like that. That isn't covered. He is married. He has young children. If this happened to you or I, you know, your wife taking off from work, your husband taking off from work, staying, he's being rehabilitated down in Philadelphia. So, so the, the cost of staying down there, I mean, he, he's obviously being covered staying in a rehabilitation facility, but his wife and family has to stay there. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, I've grown kids. If they were going through two gunshot wounds to the head, I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're 21. I don't care if they're 28. I don't care if they're 35. You know, I want to be there to help with my new grandchild, to help with the wife or the husband and stay. So there's those expenses that are there. Losing, you know, that revenue, keeping up with the bills while he's in the hospital, not working overtime or getting anything there. There, there is so many costs here. That's why when you see, you know, when there's a fire at someone's house and you say, oh, well, there's a fundraiser where they raised, you know, 10000 20000 $30,000. You know, what could they possibly need all that for? You know, I, I know people whose houses burnt down. They, they made out like bandits. No, that's not the case. You know, maybe you're getting replacement a year or two down the road of everything you lost, but those immediate costs right then and there, you're out. Yes, insurance may pay for a place or a trailer or a, for you to rent a home, but there are external expenses that build up. So I'm one of the biggest things to, for me to see since this happened is the outpouring of support from our community here in Northeast Pennsylvania. It's one of the reasons I moved here 20 years ago to raise my family and live here for the rest of my life. You know, I, I, I have the resources to live anywhere in the country I want to live. Uh, I could have moved anywhere, anytime. You know, when I took this job a year ago, I could have relocated anywhere and took a job doing 
things. As a matter of fact, I was asked to go back to D.C. or New York City to, to have a media job you know, uh, on a bigger platform. That's not what I want. I wanted to live here. I, even though my kids are grown and moved out, this is where I love to be. And even now, yeah, maybe through January, February, March, those cold months, uh, being a snowbird down somewhere warm would be nice. But I still want to come back here. I still want to spend my summers and springs here. I still want to spend my falls here and Christmas is here. Um, because this is one of the greatest places that, that I've been to to live. And I've seen, I've been around, I've been to different places. Um, we're in a great area. And to see the outpouring of support for Officer Gil Martin and, and police and law enforcement in general just warms my heart. Uh, the, the community, our community, truly came together here uh, to support one of our own. And he is one of our own. There was an armed posse. There was an armed group of individuals shooting up houses. They knew this, and they were going after them to prevent it, to save you, knowing the dangers, knowing they have wife and children at home, knowing that something really bad could happen and did happen to protect you and I. least we can do is to take away any concern they have for something they may not be able to afford during this transition during this rehabilitation and if it's the least we can do and hopefully kyle gets better each and every day and again one day returns home the same way he left that day in perfect condition to serve us and the mem- and the people of northeast pennsylvania it's 4:33 here at wilk we'll be back after the news with paul michaels welcome back to the rob o'donnell show on wilk news radio it's a song called stand by a local artist and friend nate hosey uh, this is the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America here at home who made the ultimate sacrifice. 73 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Um, three from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off by police officer Michael James Joyce of the Chester City Police Department in 1993. Died as a result complications from cancer he developed while securing the scene of the Wade Dump Fire. He had patrolled the site several times following the fire to prevent trespassers and looting. He was diagnosed with uh, matistic melanoma in 1990 and died as a result of the complications on February 1st, 1993. Officer Joyce was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and had served law enforcement for 15 years. Next, we have uh, Patrolman Thomas W. Buck of the Altoona Police Department. Patrolman Thomas Buck, and this is 1931 on this day. Patrolman Thomas Buck was killed when his motorcycle slid out of control and hit a parked car between Margaret Avenue and Union Avenue in Altoona, Pennsylvania. He died three days later from a fractured skull. He was survived by his wife and three children. Then we have police officer Mark W. Allen, Jr. of the Chester City Police Department, Pennsylvania, in 1902. Police officer Mark Allen was shot and killed after responding to a domestic disturbance call near 3rd and uh, Pusey Street. After arriving on the scene, he was shot in the leg and the head by the male suspect. The officer was transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. And those are our three from our area here in northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about BudgetBlinds.com. You go to BudgetBlinds.com, you're going to make an arrangement. They, they will come to you with a free in-house uh, so look at what they have. Tom and Rick, owners of the local Budget Blinds for our locations here in our area, northeast Pennsylvania, they're the leader in custom window treatments. They are the experts. I'm telling you, 
I'm a big do-it-yourself for these guys know what they're doing. 90% more options than you'll get at the big box store. That's the thing that stuck out for me. Uh, I couldn't even imagine there were these options out there. They brought them to me. They showed them to us. They gave us the different choices. My wife and I sat down and chose what we wanted. Budget Blinds is proud to offer the best warranty program in the industry, including their no-questions-asked guarantee, which means you're going to save money. I'm telling you, you're going to go through two or three sets of blinds that you buy at the big box store for what they install for you, they'll service for you, and they'll guarantee for you. Budgetblinds.com, Tom or Rick, tell them I sent you. It's 441 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. I don't like when Nikki's shaking her head. <laughs> well, I was trying to take a look, a closer look at what's going on on 81 southbound right before the 81 Junction drums area because I, I just wanted to get clarification of how it is. I, here it's down to one lane, but it's barely moving at all. There was a rollover right before the 81 Junction, 81 southbound drums area uh, that is going to hold you up on your ride home this afternoon. We also have a little bit of heavy traffic uh, on Davis. Street in Scranton. Kaiser Avenue is bumper to bumper in Scranton as well. And Route 309 um, in Wilkesbury, Business Route 309, you may run into a little bit of traffic. Uh, otherwise, um, the 80 problem with the construction doesn't seem to be uh, holding things up too much at the moment. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269 from the WILK Traffic Center. This is Nikki Stone with your Penteladata Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Jeremy Luan. Tonight, flurries and light rain, low 34. Friday, morning light rain, flurries through the afternoon, high 40. Friday night, mostly cloudy, low 25. Saturday, decreasing clouds through the morning, mostly sunny skies by noon, high of 41. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 43. Looks like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's some form of sun going in there, so it looks like a good week before the chill starts to come back, somewhere in the mid-40s there during the days. It's currently, we'll see what it's currently. Hang on. Give me a second. 41 degrees here in northeast Pennsylvania at 443 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 445 here in Northeast Pennsylvania on this Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Just remember, after the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to have Congresswoman Erin Houchin of the Indiana's 9th District to talk about her trip to the border with other members of our Congress uh, and the recent impeachment uh, hearings for Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. So uh, don't make sure you don't miss that. That's going to be right after the five o'clock break. Uh, if you well, if you have Netflix, if you share Netflix with your family, you know there's been a crackdown on sharing those passwords. And for parts of it, it's ridiculous. I mean, look at my family, for for instance. Uh, you, we have Netflix. I have two active duty military children. I have a child out in Western Pennsylvania um, at at college, finishing up her her nursing degree. You know, if I get the family plan for Netflix, it's you can't use it anymore because of this thing. And I put it – I understand that if you get Netflix and you're sharing it with your friends and your cousins and your buddies at work and your friends there, um, you know, I get that. But there needs to be some kind of process where, you know, if the people have the same name as you, I, I, I don't – I don't know how they get around it, but if you have Netflix, you're aware what they, they've cracked down on the password sharing. Uh, 
and and I understand it to a point, but you know, when it comes to you know, if you have children who lived at home who are active duty military and stationed somewhere for a couple of months, they should be able to watch Netflix without having to pay for their own. You know, if you have a kid out away at college and doesn't get home as much to log in under your your system, and again, that's for your laptop or something like that. You know, my, my daughter has a smart TV in her dorm room, uh, in her apartment out there. She's not in the she's in a quasi dorm now, her senior year. You know, you can't log into Netflix anymore. Well, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus is also going to start cracking down on the password sharing. So it looks like uh, they, they're taking the lead from what Netflix did. And uh, Disney is banning password sharing in its streaming services following the footsteps of competitor Netflix. In an email to Hulu subscribers on Wednesday, the company said it would start adding limitations on sharing your account outside of your household beginning March 14th. Hulu's user agreement, along with the agreements of Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, explicitly prevent users from impersonating someone else by using their username or password. You agree not to impersonate or misrepresent your affiliation with any person or entity, including using another person's username, password, or other account information, or other person's name or likeness, or provide false details for a parent or guardian, the agreement says in its terms. All three user agreements were last updated on January 25th, through, though it's unclear when the password sharing language was added to the agreements for Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. Um, the move, move was hinted because uh, they started doing this in Canada as a test run for here. And now it's here. Now it says your household, but then it explicitly can't put in, you can't impersonate your parents or guardians. Well, when, when I log on, when you log on to one of my services, and I have some of them, there's different users. When you log into, say, uh, Paramount Plus or Disney Plus, once you get into Disney Plus, I have myself, my wife's there, my daughter's there, my other daughter's there, and my son is there. And they each have a profile in my account. So nothing's being hidden. I'm paying for the family service. And I'm sorry two of my kids are deployed. I'm sorry my other daughter's at college, but that needs to be worked out. I'm not going to get five accounts. So they're going to – Netflix ended up losing and then gaining and then losing again. I, I don't see – is this go to the entity of why people went to streaming services? People left cable because it was they were sick of the prices and nitpicking and gouging for channels they didn't want. And now, uh, you know, went to streaming services, and now streaming services are kind of doing the same thing. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. And again, out of these few here, I mean, I, I no longer have Netflix because I just don't need it for me. You know, if, if, if it helped my family, and again, it's not my extended family, it's not my cousins, or, you know, it's my family. Uh, but Hulu, and what's the other ones? So Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus. I don't have ESPN Plus. Jake, do you have ESPN Plus? No, no, no. But Disney Plus, uh, Disney Plus, I got because of uh, actually the Mandalorian, which they haven't come out with any new ones yet. Hulu's pretty good. I actually started watching NYPD Blue, which came out in 1995, and uh, I started watching that this past week from the beginning. And it's interesting because I've watched them all. I, I love the show, and I and I was already a cop before that show came out. It is truly. One of the more realistic uh, police shows out there. I mean, Law and Order, 
So I, I don't watch any. I don't watch many police shows. I, I just don't. They don't do anything for me. I don't like them. NYPD Blue, I like, and Blue Bloods, I like, and they're the two. I mean, Blue Bloods is kind of embellished more than not, but NYPD Blue is the uh, one of the the more on point ones. As far as the com- uh, comedy ones, what was that nine nine? And for a classic Hill Street Blues, you can always love Hill Street Blues. But as far as the the crime dramas now, um, whatever they are, I, I just have no interest in them. Uh, my wife likes them. I just have no interest in them. And people will always want to watch them, just like that live TV or cops. Or uh, there's I have zero zero uh, urge to watch any of the the reality TV when it comes to law enforcement because I, I've been there and done that. I, I want to relax when I watch TV. I don't want to get wound up. But I started watching NYPD Blue from Hulu from the beginning again. I just started the second season. so But it's amazing how many, like now, what, an entire season is, what, seven episodes, eight episodes on one of these streaming channels? Where NYPD Blue, I, I think the first season was like 18 episodes, 19 episodes. So I was like, yeah. I mean, they have they went from all the way from 1995 to, I think, 2003 or four. So uh, I got a long way to go to see what happens here. Maybe I'll skip some, but it was interesting watching it from the start. And it's it's funny, you know, because I watched it all, but picking up little things I didn't pick up the first time. That's me. But uh, if if they start cracking down and your children or, or when you travel, uh, I don't know how they're going to do it because you know when I go travel, when I stay at a hotel or something, I like logging on to these things. It's going to be interesting in how they can do this. Are we going to be scanning some kind of code on our phone so they know it's you? We'll see. It's uh, 4.53 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Just looking at it, it said some breaking news, but it's not breaking news. It's from this morning. So, um, 4.56 here at WILK. Uh, some of the other shows, because I'm, I'm getting show suggestions now. Yes, I uh, Terminal List was great on Prime. I did watch that. They are filming the prequel to Terminal List now. So I'm waiting for that to come out uh, sometime late this year, next year. Also, Reacher. I just finished the second season of Reacher, and they're also filming the third season of Reacher right now. So those are also the shows I like. But... Yeah, as far as the police shows, uh, that was pretty much it. Well, while all the turmoil's going on here in the nation and all the back and forth with uh, election season upon us, the House accomplished something unusual Wednesday in the passing with broad bipartisan support, a roughly $79 billion tax cut package that would enhance the child tax credit for millions of lower-income families and boost three tax breaks for businesses a combination that gives lawmakers on both sides of the political aisle policy wins. That's the way compromise is supposed to work. Not everybody got 100% of what they wanted, but they got some of what they wanted. And it's balanced. Prospects for the measure becoming law are uncertain with the Senate still having to take it up. But for the House that has struggled to get bills of consequence over the finish line, The tax legislation could represent a rare breakthrough. The bill passed by a vote of 357 to 70. The Speaker, Mike Johnson, threw his support behind the bill on Wednesday morning 
He spent part of the previous day meeting with GOP lawmakers who were concerned about particular features of the bill, namely the expanded child tax credit. Some were also unhappy that it failed to address the $10,000 cap on the total amount of property taxes or state and local taxes that consumers can deduct on their federal returns. Raising the cap is a top priority of lawmakers and the Republican members of the New York congressional delegation, whose victories in 2022 helped the GOP take the majority. And again, uh, Johnson committed to moving the bill that addressed the cap, but there's no bill text yet on legislation would have moved it through the House Rules Committee, which leaves the timing very much in flux. They also don't know what's going to happen with the, uh, the Senate side of the bill. Johnson called the tax cut bill on the House floor important bipartisan legislation that would revive conservative pro-growth tax reform. He also said it would bring an early end to the wasteful COVID-ever program that has been plagued with fraud, moving up the deadline for claiming the employee retention tax credit is expected to largely offset the cost of the tax cuts in the legislation. Johnson also emphasized the importance of the bill moving through the House Ways and Means Committee before coming to the full House for a vote, saying it was a good example of how Congress is supposed to work. House Republicans were anxious to restore full immediate deductions that businesses can take for their purchases of new equipment and machinery and for domestic research and development expenses. They argue such investments grow the economy and incentivize American companies to keep their manufacturing facility and operations here and also expanded the child tax credit. So the tax credit is 2000 per child, but not all is refundable. The bill would incrementally raise the amount of credit available in a refund, increasing to it to 1800 for 2023, 19 for 2024, and 2000 for the 2025 tax returns. So a win-win for both parties, a little bipartisan um, agreements, and 370, 357 to 70, it's a good start on getting something done. Let's hopefully that they, they build on that. 